broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey, hey, Las Vegas and all peoples everywhere listening across the fruited plains under the Purple Mountains majesty and all of that good stuff. Although I'm sure there's not just one Purple Mountain. It's Purple Mountains majesty, right? I think so. I never understood the whole Purple Mountains thing until I came to Las Vegas. And when the sun rises over the mountains to our west, they do indeed look purple. And I was like, oh, so those are what he's talking about. Anyway, how about Croatia? The little country that could, even if you are not a soccer fan, this World Cup has been just exciting to see as Croatia defeated easily the favorite in England. Not in England. England was the team that they defeated. They're in Russia playing soccer. So it'll be Croatia and France in the final on Sunday morning early. I think it's like at 7 or around 7, I think, Sunday morning our time. And uh, the third place uh, between the third place match between, oh, who is it? Belgium. Belgium and England will take place, I believe, Saturday morning, also pretty early. But I don't think it's quite as early as Sunday. That might be at like 8 or 9 uh, on Saturday morning. So congrats to Croatia and to France for making it to the final. I'm going to root for Croatia just because they're the underdog. They're a little country that could. I was was so accurate until England lost to Croatia in my predictions. But it's okay. It's okay. I'm okay with it, but I am going to root for Croatia now to go all the way. I would have been fine with Belgium. Just not a big fan of, of the French national team. So... Croatia it is. Love a good underdog story. The second smallest country ever to make it to the World Cup final. So, again, just a good story. Fun fact for you, Christian Pulisic, who is an up-and-coming U.S. soccer star from Hershey, Pennsylvania, who has played uh, multiple times on our national team, uh, has Croatian heritage. So he he had a decision to make uh, several years ago. He could have played for Croatia on their national team, but chose instead to play for the United States. If he had chosen Croatia, he would be playing in the World Cup final. Instead, he chose the U.S., and the U.S., as you probably know, did not even make it into the World Cup this time around so it's kind of sad for him but I think in the long run it will prove to be a a wise decision because in four years we should be decent at least decent enough to get to the World Cup all right so in preparing for today's show I was like okay need news to talk about the news is still we are still talking about Brett Kavanaugh Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court. I mean, it was absolutely shocking. He was... uh, He was serving meals to the homeless outside of Catholic charities in downtown Washington, D.C., less than 48 hours after he was tapped to succeed Justice Anthony Kennedy. It was like, this was... This is apparently... Newsworthy. 
Um, According to his D.C. Circuit biography, the judge is a volunteer with the St. Maria's Meals Program, which serves hot dinners to the capital's poor. So this should not be shocking to everyone. And it was confirmed that he had signed up for the event a long time ago and chose to keep his commitment, regardless of the fact that he's basically going to be on the Supreme Court in a, in a month or two. I think that's, that's a pretty classy move. I think that speaks a lot to his character. But on both sides of the aisle, we have, we have the collective freakout still about Kavanaugh. Will he be good? Will he be conservative? Will he be an originalist? Before we get into that, a couple things that you might not know about him that I found interesting. First off, he worked on the investigation that led to President Clinton's impeachment. He co-wrote independent counsel Kenneth Starr's report in the 1990s, laying out the legal framework that supported impeachment of then-President Clinton for his affair uh, with then-White House intern Monica Lewinsky. What's interesting is that after helping to lead that charge, which would eventually produce President Clinton's impeachment, Kavanaugh later wrote that he thought that presidents shouldn't have to deal with criminal investigations or civil lawsuits while in office. Those two don't quite connect for me personally, but I, I, I don't know the context around when he said that presidents shouldn't have to deal with criminal investigations while in office. So I'm guessing there's more there because obviously he changed his mind or he doesn't have a problem with it in every circumstance. If that makes sense. I don't I don't know if it does. But I'm yeah. Anyway. Um he has very close ties uh to the Bush family. He was nominated to the Federal Appeals Court by former president uh George W. Bush. He served as a lawyer and a staff secretary during the Bush administration. Uh he also married Bush's former personal secretary, Ashley Estes Kavanaugh, and has two daughters. So they're very close uh, with the Bushes. It was very sweet of him. He credits his mother for his career path. Uh, he said that his mom taught him high school history before, refer, before returning to school for her law degree. She would later go on to become a prosecutor and judge in Maryland. He is an avid runner. He has ran in the Boston Marathon twice. Um, and regularly wins medals in an annual 5K charity race down in D.C. He coaches his daughter's basketball teams. He's tutored children at a uh, D.C. elementary school. He volunteers, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, for Catholic charity groups. He's a regular participant in services at his Catholic church. He seems like just a good guy all around. Where the angst seems to come in for most on the right, is that it is unclear how he would rule on abortion. And for most conservatives, this is the big issue for social conservatives. Because he's never ruled directly on abortion as a judge. He did dissent on an appeals court decision that allowed a, um, a pregnant, teenaged, illegal immigrant uh, to have an abortion... He has not publicly said whether he'd favor overturning Roe versus Wade, but he did say during his Senate confirmation hearing 
uh, to the appellate court when he was asked about Roe v. Wade that it was settled law and that that is how it would be dealt with in his court. And some argue, well, that's because he's not higher than the Supreme Court, so he would have to go uh, with that. There are others who are saying, well, Trump's promise was to drain the swamp, and what he's done is he's given the D.C. GOP establishment someone who is D.C. GOP establishment because he's picked someone who has close ties to the Bush family, someone who doesn't have as staunch of a conservative record as we would have liked because of a a past ruling relating to an issue about Obamacare and about, there's another one about the NSA. Um, So some are saying, yeah, you know what? It's not about his qualifications. He's more than qualified, but it's about his values. We don't know how he is going to rule, and we should have gotten someone who we knew who he was going to rule. Now, that said, he has ruled repeatedly on a number of issues where he has fallen very solidly in line with the Constitution and with conservatives. He has been a very strong um, proponent of the Second Amendment, he has been uh, a, um, uh, a, a, an advocate of issues that would be conservative issues, but not always, um, not always to the level, I would say, of like somebody like a like a Amy Amy Barrett. So. I, when it summarizes with this guy, I mentioned it earlier this week on Tuesday. President nominated him on Monday. I talked about this on Tuesday, but just wanted to go over it again here this morning to start out the program because so many people are still. This is this is what we're talking about. I I think with this pick, I think this is a safe pick for the president. It surprised me because I don't think that the president is known for doing what is safe or or um. Or an easy win. It seems to me that the president has been more along the lines of being willing to take a take a hard swing. Although I guess Gorsuch wasn't really of that much of a of a reach either. Um, but he's 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 a safe pick because Democrats are trying hard to destroy this guy. I mean, oh my goodness, look, he's serving meals to homeless people. Oh my goodness, this man teaches or coaches girls basketball there must be something wrong with him uh, he he doesn't have anything that they can stick on him really so they're reaching and while conservatives are concerned because we really don't know where he will fall on abortion or even say gay marriage because he hasn't written any opinions on these topics that also makes him less vulnerable to attacks from the left because when he's going in for confirmation and so on there there isn't any opinions that democrats can point to and say he isn't uh, he, he he isn't pro choice and he doesn't he, he hates people and blah, blah, blah. he ha- also has not written any major opinions on free speech or religion. His big thing that he's known for 
his opinions that he's written, that he has written, that he that that people look at, have to deal with rolling back the reach of federal government, rolling back the administrative side of federal government. So while on one hand we look at this as conservatives and we're like, yeah, but we don't know. Is he a good pick? Is he going to be another Kennedy? Is he is he Scalia or is he Kennedy? The fact of the matter is, we honestly, we don't know right now. It's it's kind of like when we elected Trump. Uh, some people would argue otherwise, but he had zero record, politically speaking. And so, honestly, we didn't know what he would do because we didn't have any past to look at to say, here's what he's done in the past, this is what he's likely to do in the future. All we had was his personal life, which, to be perfectly honest, was not always the 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 most shining example of conservatism, if you will. And with this Supreme Court pick, I feel like we're kind of in the same boat. Although his personal life would be much more in line with conservative values and would strongly suggest that he would have a, a very strong uh, right-leaning opinion on many issues just with his, based on his, his, his activities as a person and where he chooses to spend his time and the organizations that he's affiliated with, though he has that. And so I, I would argue he's a step above Trump already in that regard. Uh, just as far as the personal life coming into something where we didn't really know. But he doesn't he doesn't have these opinions. So everyone can argue this way, that way, and the other about if they think he's great, if they think he's terrible, if they think he's going to overturn Roe versus Wade, if they think he's never going to overturn Roe versus Wade, if they think he's going to be a Kennedy, if they think he's going to be Scalia. We can argue that all day long. But the fact of the matter is we just don't know because we do not have written opinions from this man on many of those issues. Or in fact, on pretty much any of those issues. And again... He'll go through a confirmation process and he'll give answers to questions and we can try to determine what will happen based on that. But even there, I don't think we can really, you know, set a stake in the ground and say, well, this is what he said here and so therefore this is what it will be. So, like, with this pick, we just, we don't know. It's a wait and see. So everyone that's been asking, everyone that's still freaking out, I think the freak out is premature because we really, we don't know. On either side of the aisle, I think we just don't know. But, that said, I found some quotes from Brett Kavanaugh that might uh, help to temper some of your fears one way or another. Again, these are just things that he has uh, said or written in decisions or dissents and opinions, so... This is, this is, you know, could be, maybe not. So first off, we'll start with why sitting presidents, why he says that sitting presidents shouldn't be investigated. Uh, he wrote in the Minnesota Law Review in 2009 an article titled Separation of Powers During the 44th Presidency and Beyond. And he said, in particular, Congress might consider a law exempting a president while in office from criminal prosecution and investigation, including from questioning by criminal prosecutors or defense counsel. Criminal investigations targeted at or revolving around a president are inevitably politicized by both their supporters and critics. The indictment and trial of a sitting president, moreover, would cripple the federal government, rendering it un- 
unable to function with credibility in either the international or domestic arenas. Such an outcome would ill-serve the public interest, especially in times of financial or national security crisis, and a president who is concerned about an ongoing criminal investigation is almost inevitably going to, to do a worse job as president. The point is not to put the president above the law or to eliminate checks on the president, but simply to defer litigation and investigations until the president is out of office. All right, so that's what he said regarding uh, why sitting presidents shouldn't be investigated. As to uh, Roe versus Wade, during his 2006 confirmation hearing for the D.C. Circuit Court, he said, quote, I would follow Roe versus Wade faithfully and fully. It's been reaffirmed many times. Now, again, uh, many of his supporters are saying, well, you have to look at it in context. He's sitting on a lower court, and as a lower court, he cannot overturn something that the Supreme Court has already decided, and therefore he has to say that. Whereas if it were to come to the Supreme Court again, then the Supreme Court could again look at the issue, potentially. Uh, he also, also talked about net neutrality. He, th he says that it violates the First Amendment. In uh, United States Telecom Association versus the FCC in 2017, he wrote a dissent and said, The net neutrality rule is unlawful and must be vacated. However, for two alternative and independent reasons. First, Congress did not clearly authorize the FCC to issue the net neutrality rule. Second, and in the alternative, the net neutrality rule violates the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So, again, this is, this is what Kavanaugh is known for. He is known for being the one that wants the separation of powers, that wants the powers to operate as they are supposed to. So his, his, his argument is first that Congress didn't do what they were supposed to do. Congress didn't say this was a thing, so therefore it shouldn't be a thing. And oh, by the way, it's a violation to the First Amendment. Uh, he also has said that the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is unconstitutional which is interesting. Uh, he said the CFPB's concentration of enormous executive power in a single unaccountable unchecked director not only departs from settled historical practice, but also poses a far greater risk of arbitrary decision-making and abuse of power and a far greater threat to individual liberty than does a multi-member independent agency. He wrote that decision in PHH Corp versus the CFPB in 2017. Really a good, uh, a good point there. Don't you think? Again, with the separation of powers. This is, this is his thing. Uh, now, again, while some are pointing to... I keep saying again. Uh, while some are pointing to his statement about Roe versus Wade in his confirmation hearing, others point to his um, dissent on why an immigrant teenager that was in U.S. custody should not be given immediate access to a desired abortion. In that dissent... In Garza versus Hargan last year, he wrote, The minor is alone and without family or friends. She is in a U.S. government detention facility in a country that for her is foreign. She is 17 years old. She is pregnant and has to make a major life decision. Is it really absurd for the United States to think that that minor should be transferred to her immigration sponsor, who is ordinarily a family member, relative, or friend, before she makes that decision? And keep in mind that the government is not forcing the minor to talk to the sponsor about the decision or to obtain consent. It is merely seeking to place the minor in a better place when deciding whether to have an abortion. So do with that what you will. I wouldn't say that it was a strong... Pro it's obviously not about the life of the child by any means uh, in this decision, or dissent rather, but about the 
potential mental health and physical well-being of the child who is making the decision on whether or not to have an abortion. So it could be a roundabout sort of way of presenting a pro-life point of view, but he did at least get to that point, I would say. He also, in a dissent in Priests for Life versus HHS in 2015, seemed to say that Obamacare's contraception coverage mandates limited, or, or, or the mandate, rather, limits religious freedom. He said the essential principle is clear. When the government forces someone to take an action contrary to his or her sincere religious beliefs or else suffer a financial penalty, the government has, has substantially burdened the individual's exercise of religion So it is in this case. So, there you go. Um, No, I'll give you one more. I I found a whole bunch of quotes, but those are some of the ones that I found most interesting. But I've got one more on Obamacare. He talked about why the D.C. Circuit Court shouldn't have ruled on the constitutionality of Obamacare's individual uh, mandate in his dissent in Seven Sky versus Holder in 2011. He said, For judges, there is a natural and understandable inclination to decide these weighty and historical constitutional questions. By waiting, we would respect the bedrock principle of judicial respa- restraints that courts avoid prematurely or unnecessarily deciding constitutional questions. So he's like, Hey, we shouldn't be making the laws. That's not our job. That's what Kavanaugh does oh okay actually no i'm gonna i'm I'm not gonna do that i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you one more here then we're gonna take a break uh he also opposed washington dc's semi-automatic rifle ban in heller versus district of columbia in 2011 he wrote in his dissent semi-automatic rifles like semi-automatic handguns have not traditionally been banned and are in common use by law-abiding citizens for self-defense in the home hunting and other lawful uses moreover semi-automatic handguns are used in connection with violent crimes far more than semi-automatic rifles are uh, and for his decision or his dissent, rather, in that case, he is being called by many a true Second Amendment radical. Mm. Yes, a Second Amendment radical, someone who believes that the Second Amendment says what it means and means what it says and should be allowed to stand because that's what our founders intended. Absolutely shocking. So there you have it. There's a little bit more about Brett Kavanaugh. I know everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a thought. Everybody's got something to say. My thought, summarize this whole thing, is Trump with this pick, he hit a home run, I think. I think he could have hit a grand slam. Talked about that on Tuesday. But I think this is still a home run. Uh, as far as how he will rule, I could. we could go back and forth all day. But the fact of the matter is, on many of these issues, he has not actually written an opinion on... We have little snippets here and there, like on Roe versus Wade during his confirmation hearing and on the illegal uh, immigrant who was trying to access an abortion. So we have we have little glimpses here and there. We have a little glimpse of it where he might fall on religious freedom in the Obamacare ruling. So we have little snippets, but we don't really have a we don't have a whole opinion to go off of on a lot of the issues that conservatives would be concerned about. Um so I, I feel like with him, again, I think he's a home run. Not a grand slam. I think he's a home run, though, potentially. But a lot of it, for me, is still a... It's a, it's a wait and see. 
you know, I think once we have his first round of decisions issued, once he's uh, once he's confirmed to the court, then then we will know. I believe after his first, after he gets his that first, um, that first round, even in arguments, I think we'll begin to see by the way he questions or doesn't ask questions if he falls in line with uh, with Justice Thomas, who rarely speaks in the court proceedings, which is just a fascinating study. If you've never looked at that, you should because it's just, yeah. But you know, for for most of what I've seen, though overall, um, I I. I'm cautiously optimistic about this guy. Um, that said, I think that we should keep in mind that while the left is freaking out that he might overturn Roe versus Wade and the right is freaking out that he might not overturn Roe versus Wade, I think there's a bigger issue. And I know it's not not a bigger issue than than abortion itself or or the life of a child obviously that's that it would be paramount but the but as a country i think that it should concern us that one man in america today could possibly have that much power that the entire nation those at least that are politically in tune regardless of which side of the spectrum they fall on is having a collective freakout about what this guy will do. I mean, we should not be at a point where one person has that much power. The Supreme Court was never supposed to be dictating how we should live, nor were they supposed to be creating laws. One man, this, one man should not ever be able to throw the entire nation into a frenzy. That's why we have the separation of powers. That's why we have three uh, equal but distinct branches of power, right? Equal justice under law. Those are the words that are written above the main entrance to the Supreme Court building, and they express the ultimate responsibility of the Supreme Court of the United States. That's their job. They don't dictate how we live. They don't write laws. They are the highest tribunal in the nation for all cases and all controversies that arise under the Constitution. And that is all. That is it. Period. The end. Or at least that's what our founders intended. But it's not where we are today. And you say, well, how do you know that the founders intended that? Because they said so. Instead, what we have is we have a court that has essentially turned into a, a genie in the bottle. Pictured, um... Uh... uh, 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 uh like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, like, an evil genie. Like Jafar. In Aladdin. <laughs> and now I've lost most of you. Okay, let me let me put this more um, in a less Disney version. The founders gave us a system of three separate but co-equal branches of government. That means that the president shouldn't be issuing law by executive order, and it means the Supreme Court doesn't get to determine our national morality, and it means that Congress doesn't get to say... Uh, that they have supreme authority either. The Supreme Court was intended to be a check and a balance to the executive and the legislative branches, as the executive and legislative are to be a check to the judicial and the uh, uh, 
executive, and judicial are a check to the legislative. None of the three branches is to hold a position of power which is higher than the others. But today, the Supreme Court is holding the ultimate authority in the United States. For example, rather than returning the Affordable Care Act to Congress so that they could correct it, they swept in to do Congress's job for them. Rather than allowing states to determine their laws on marriage like they have done and have precedent for in divorce and custody and legal fault, no, they swept in to do the job that we the people should be doing. The founders would call what the Supreme Court has become overruling. They'd say that Americans cannot long be free with such centralized power dictating our laws. They'd call it tyranny. They would call the Supreme Court that we have today a despotic branch of government. And as a matter of fact, they did. Let me give you just a few quotes that our founders spoke of regarding the Supreme Court. James Madison said, The powers properly belonging to one of the departments ought not to be directly and completely administered by either of the other departments. It is equally evident that none of them ought to possess, directly or indirectly, an overruling influence over the others in the administration of their respective powers. It will not be denied that power is of an encroaching nature and that it ought to be effectually restrained from passing the limits assigned to it. That was Madison. Not any branch should have an overruling influence over the others. Hmm. John Adams said, A question arises whether all the powers of government, legislative, executive, and judicial, shall be left in this body. I think a people cannot be long free nor ever happy whose government is in one assembly. Okay, so now we have James Madison and John Adams agree. Let's go back to Madison for a second. He said, The accumulation of all powers, legislative, executive, and judiciary, in the same hands, whether of one, a few, or many, and whether hereditary, self-appointed, or elective, may justly be pronounced the very definition of tyranny. So essentially what he said right there, If any one of these three branches becomes supreme, to where they are, they are held higher or have more power than any of the other, regardless of if it's um, uh, somebody that, that, it, that say, for example, a, a, a vice president that were to succeed into a presidency, if it is people that are elected, or if it is people that are uh, appointed, regardless of how they get into position, if any one of these branches becomes more powerful than the other, that is tyranny. Alexander Hamilton said a limited constitution can be preserved in practice no other way than through the medium of courts of justice whose duty it must be to declare all acts contrary to the manifest tenor of the constitution void. Without this, all the reservations of particular rights or privileges would amount to to nothing. To deny this would be to affirm that men acting by virtue of powers may may do not only what their powers do not authorize, but what they forbid. So Hamilton takes it a step further. It says, not only would an all-powerful branch of government do what their powers say they're not allowed to do, or what they don't allow them to do, but it would also have them doing things they're specifically not supposed to be doing. And last, but certainly not least, the founder that our leftist friends love to quote often, uh, Thomas Jefferson, said, Nothing the Constitution has given the judiciary is a right to decide for the executive more than to the executive to decide for them. 
Both magistries are equally independent in the sphere of action assigned to them. The opinion which gives to the judges the right to decide what laws are constitutional and what are not, not only for themselves in their own sphere of action, but for the legislature and executive also in their spheres, would make the judiciary a despotic branch. Wow. So, let us summarize. In the opinion of the Founding Fathers, if any one of the branches of, of, of the supposedly co-equal but separate branches of government became more powerful than the other, it would be tyranny. It would make, if it was a Supreme Court, Jefferson said it would make the judiciary a despotic branch. <laughs> and it would make the people neither free nor happy. Interesting. Our founding fathers had a lot of wisdom. Because if you look at what's happening in our country today with just the mention of Brett Kavanaugh's name, even before Brett Kavanaugh's name came out, I mean, there, there, <laughs> there are so many videos online. I think it was, was it Planned Parenthood or the National Organization for Women? One of the two had a press release written as to why they opposed president trump's supreme court uh nominee and the name was left blank so they had the statement already done it didn't matter who it was didn't matter who the person was it was just fill in the blank that is how powerful our supreme court has become and it is something that our founders never intended so we can talk about whether or not brett kavanaugh will be good or not and you know, I, I don't think that we can really definitely say that one way or another until we have his first round of, of decisions and dissents and opinion come out. I think the bigger issue, and the one that we don't talk about, is why is it that one man has apparently so much power in this country that the entire nation can lose their collective political heads? It's because we have placed too much power in the Supreme Court. And ironically, getting the branches of government back to their roles as intended by the founders and making no branch greater than the other <laughs> is what Brett Kavanaugh just happens to be known for. So it really goes full circle, and it kind of makes me chuckle because I, <laughs> I think that's that's just where we're at. And so, again, I I think this is a this is a solid choice. wasn't my favorite, wasn't even my top three, but I, I think in the long run he'll probably be good. But again, we just don't know. I could give you reasons why. I could give you reasons why not. In fact, I have for pretty much the last half hour. I'll leave that decision up to you as to what you think. But I, I, I really don't know that anyone can say with great authority until we actually see him, one, appointed uh, and confirmed by the Senate, and two, actually start issuing some rulings. So that those are my thoughts on Kavanaugh. When we return, dun, 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 the president, illegals, and tweeting is still ahead. On KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. 
And we are back. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church here in Las Vegas. That was the Ball Brothers with Just As I Am. Okay, so couple of points to talk about from the president from this past week, and then we will send you on your way. Tomorrow will be Fun Friday. I'll be giving away, what am I giving away tomorrow? I think I might be giving away some tickets to a 51s game. So you definitely want to tune in for that. I still think Tim Tebow is headed to the majors. Sadly, time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter for us to get him here before the 51s leave us. I think he will go AAA uh, possibly sooner than later. I thought that it would be before the 51s left. But as weeks pass, it is um, it is getting sadder and sadder to realize that the 51s are going to go probably <laughs> in about the same time frame when Tebow will be joining them. It's just very sad. But uh, Tebow played in the uh, AA um, All-Star game, hit a infield double on his first at-bat, and everybody's all like, oh, look, Tebow hit the baseball. Yeah, he's been doing it. You guys just aren't paying attention. Anyway, on Tuesday... The president responded to reports that the administration is going to miss a court-imposed deadline to reunite migrant parents with their children. He was asked about it. (sighs) And he said, quote, I'm saying this very simply. We have laws. We have borders. Don't come to our country illegally. It's not a good thing. That's the solution. Don't come to our country illegally. Come like other people do. Come legally. That's pretty straightforward and 100% accurate. You may not agree with it. You may not like it, but it's true. Like everything he said is true. We have laws. True. I will just be, um, um, I'll be politifact right now and Snopes for you. Okay. I'll, I'll save you the time. We're going to, we'll go through this step by step. We have laws. True. We have borders. True. Don't come to our country illegally. It's not a good thing. True. Because illegal things are generally not good things. Come legally. Hmm. That's the solution. Hmm. Why, yes. How absolutely brilliant. If you come legally... The separation that we're seeing doesn't actually happen to you. As a matter of fact, you can come to any port of entry and ask for asylum and not be separated from your family as you are if you come illegally. Wow. He condemned Democrats fighting against immigration and customs enforcement, uh, according to Fox News Insider, called their fight a disgrace. He said ICE agents go into harm's way. True. There is nobody under greater danger than the people from ICE. That's the only one that would be like, okay, well, maybe not. Like, If you're a Christian in Nigeria right now, you're probably in greater danger than an ICE agent. In fact, uh, you are. Uh, He said, we want to support ICE, but that's not what Democrats are doing. Trump said that Democrats want open borders. True. And are soft on stopping crime. At least when it comes to illegal entry, that also is true. Remember this, he said, without borders, you do not have a country. Also, wait for it. True. 
Like what? <laughs> Find me a country that doesn't have borders. Palestine! No, that is not a country. That is a perfect example of a non-country. But I don't have time to get into that today. So there was the collective freakout over the president saying, you know, the solution to the separation of the families is for them to come to our country legally because that's the correct thing to do. But he's right. So we're going to move on. I, on this one, I'm like, yes, because I have said this for so long and it has finally been vindicated by the actual data. All right. Trump tweeting. Trump tweets, 3,000 Trump tweets were analyzed. And it was discovered that there are certain tweets that the president tweets which are viewed highly favorably. There are other tweets which don't do so good. And guess what? It's across the board. Regardless of political affiliation, Republicans, Democrats, independents, unaffiliated, whatever is your favorite uh, political alphabet stew, people are united across the board in things that they think are good that the president tweets and things that they don't, based on how they interact and respond with those tweets. Here's what it boils down to. When the president personally insults people or... Uh, <laughs> personally attacks someone or insults individuals or countries they don't do well these are the tweets that people do not like interestingly the lowest rated tweet was when he said that mark cuban wasn't smart enough to run for president no one liked that tweet the second worst tweet is when he called uh, Morning Joe, who is um, uh, Joe... Uh, <sighs> I'm sorry. Not Joe Scarborough. The, the actual... He tweeted at their, their, their show. It's Joe Scarborough and that lady. I can't remember what her name is. But he tweeted at their program and, <laughs> and said, um, I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch them anymore. Then how come low IQ crazy Mika along with Psycho Joe and then he, it went on and it was like a continued tweet into the next one. Nobody liked that. Uh, he mocked ESPN. Nobody liked that. When he talked about James Comey. Talking about tapes of their conversations that he leaked to the press. Nobody liked that either. Pretty much across the board when there was anything like personal or insulting or whatever people people as a whole wasn't cool but the opposite is also true when the president tweeted what I would say would be presidential things like for example his most popular tweets had to do with there's, he tweeted a video his account tweeted a video of, of Pearl Harbor uh, Remembrance Day where they honored heroes and he talked about Pearl Harbor heroes that were there and thanked the men for their, for, their, for their service and their sacrifice. That was one of his most popular tweets across the board. When he talked about Florida and the disaster that was there 
or the disaster, potential disasters that were coming in hurricane season and uh, where you could find shelter, how you could access evacuation routes and road closures. Extremely popular. When he wished the Coast Guard a happy birthday and said, no matter the mission, the brave men and women of our U.S. Coast Guard proudly answer the call to serve 24-7-365. Thank you and happy birthday. These are his tweets that do well. Tweets that congratulate the armed forces or first responders or, or wish people uh, Merry Christmas or send condolences or just do like ceremonial things or, or when he's just, you know, nice. Those tweets do very well. When he's, you know, not nice, those tweets do very poorly. So me thinks, you know, just just put aside the Twitter. But I think there's also a bigger lesson here. It's not just the president. All of us should learn from this and apply it to our social media habits. Okay? Thumper's mom got it right. If you can't say something nice... Don't say anything at all. Simple. Problem solved. It could be winning tweet after winning tweet after winning tweet after winning tweet. Just say something nice. I'm not saying hide under a rock and pretend that everything's wonderful in the world while everything is not wonderful in the world. There are, Obviously, the presidents have to address things like that. But like personal insults and digs and jabs, nobody likes them. They're not winning you any brownie points. Like, it's it's a clear study, and this was actually a, a good, accurate study. Like, it wasn't one of those ones where it's like, we are now going to survey 100 leftists and three conservatives and let you know what the results are. No, the results will not be skewed one way or the other. They will be very fair and balanced. It wasn't one of those. This is an actual, like, sampling across the board. This is how people that are on Twitter feel about the president's tweets. And across the board, I would argue that pretty much all people on the internet would love to just be treated with respect and kindness, like how you would tweet how you would tweet them in person. That's yeah, how you would treat them in person. Is how you should treat people online. It's simple. I think that's something we can all learn, along with the president today. Or. The best way to put it is the way that Jesus put it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And that is all the time I have left for today. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate having you here. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Our service times on Sunday morning are 9.30 and 11.15. We would love to have you with us as Pastor Ty speaks this Sunday. He's, his program is coming up at 8 o'clock here in just a few minutes on KVXL. Sunday evening, our service is at 6 p.m. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. We're catty corner from the Best Buy on Rainbow and Lake Mead. You can stream us online if you can't be here in person by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com. If there's ever anything we can do for you, please don't have don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to give us a call at 702-647-4522. Hope you and your family have a great day. Be sure to join us tomorrow. It is Friday. We're going to be doing some fun stuff, and I'm going to be giving away some tickets to a 51s game. 
I believe it is four. I believe I'm giving away a pack of four tickets to a 51s game. If I was not talking on the radio, I would be trying to win those because I like the 51s because they're cool and I like going to the baseball games. And if you like going to the baseball games, then tune in tomorrow. Four tickets, a four pack of tickets I'm giving away to the 51s tomorrow right here on KVXL. So, don't miss out on that. We're going to finish today with Veritas singing, I Can Only Imagine, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.